0: This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 169, about Luke Cage. Season 2, episode 13, They Reminisce Over You. Welcome back, fellow defenders, to our spoiler-filled discussion of the season finale of Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 13, They Reminisce Over You. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello,
1: I am one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out the
2: group, I'm Chris.
0: Welcome back, fellow defenders. We are at the end of Luke Cage Season 2, and this is going to be our spoiler-filled discussion. First off, unfortunately, one of our pieces of speculation will never happen. We will never get Vincent D'Onofrio, and... Alfre Woodard on screen together in the future. How sad is that? Yeah, we should have clocked it by the title of the episode. To be honest, yeah, um, yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> I'm so sad.
2: I think we... I, I'm hoping we get her back at some point. But <laughs> I, in a zombie form, yeah. who knows?
1: I think
0: spectral form. I think she needs to do a Mama Mabel on Luke Cage, to be honest. There you go. Spectral form is pretty good. I'm not sure whether Marvel Zombies is coming. We did see a little reference to it in uh, in episode 12 of uh, of Luke Cage season 2. But I doubt they're going to reanimate the the dead corpse of uh, of Alfre Woodard's Mariah Stokes, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> well, in she has gone uh, the way of most Avengers in Infinity war which is to dust (gasps) spoilers (laughs) (laughs) maybe this is our one and only
0: time where there is a true crossover there you go but let's start getting into the episode guys fellow defenders as we're at the end of our luke cage season two coverage if you're subscribed to our podcast as luke cage on defenders tv podcast you need to resubscribe to the defenders tv podcast Um, so you can follow our coverage as we go on into Ant-Man and The Wasp, which is coming up. That's going to be our next podcast, and then we're going to follow that up with Iron Fist, which is in September, September 7th, for Iron Fist Season 2. So just make sure you resubscribe. You can do that by going over to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com and picking your bulletproof or bullet-ridden podcast app of choice to subscribe.
2: And don't forget, guys, this episode is brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium and Wolverine the Long Night, but we'll tell you more about that later.
0: I think
1: it's time to get on to our spoilerific episode details. Derek, what do we
0: have? Well, proving our theory is correct that a good showrunner of the shows writes the first and last episodes of the season, Chio Hadari-Coker is the ra- writer for this episode. I always like when we see his vision on screen. He's got a very cool style about him, and you can see why he got the showrunning job for Luke Cage. He's, all all of his references to music and all of his references to Harlem are just so on point. He really does a great job. So delighted to have Chio Hadari-Coker writing this episode of Luke Cage. Yeah, definitely.
1: And and it's directed by someone who is going to be making their mark in the Marvel TV
0: universe for sure uh, this year yeah yeah he's directed by Alex Garcia Lopez uh, began his career in the UK he's done shows like Misfits cool. uh, which he did season 3 and he did Utopia another really cool uh, sci-fi show on Channel 4 in the UK uh, he's also worked on two episodes of Cloak and Dagger this year he did episode 2 and episode 8 of that season Um episode 2 I know I've watched and I'm really really enjoyed it so he's got a good vision they must really like him over at Marvel because obviously along with Luke Cage he's also got an episode of The Punisher and two episodes of Daredevil season 3 coming up. Excellent, yeah
1: loved Utopia,
0: loved Misfits and of
1: course Cloak & Dagger is pretty awesome too as well and has just been renewed for a second season as well. That's right. uh, Through San Diego Comic Con's uh, nerdy geeky spectacular thingy going on at the moment in san diego so
0: all good <laughs> going on at the moment two and a half weeks ago as we released this episode unfortunately well that is true that is true <laughs> we are recording slightly ahead of time yes yes wonderful summer holidays john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode sure with mariah on trial
1: and remanded at rikers island crime and violence returns to the streets of harlem as the other gang leaders go to war In prison, Mariah adapts to her new circumstances, gaining power over the other prison factions and goes to extreme measures to cover her tracks as she orders the murder of all her former employees, including her trusted PA, Alex. Meanwhile, as the street war rages, Luke takes a new approach to protecting Harlem after a visit to Pops by Shades, who suggests that Luke Cage should prevent a new crime boss from taking over in Harlem. Whilst Luke visits Carbone to secure peace in Harlem, another crime boss, Bushmaster, recovering from his nightshade use with the help of Tilda, chooses to return to Jamaica. Before he leaves, he tells Tilda that Stokes must burn. As Mariah and Ben Donovan make plans for her defence in court, she is visited at Rikers by Shades, Tilda and Luke Cage. As Shades ruse what could have been... One visitor, Tilda Johnson, says goodbye to her mother and the Stokes' name with a kiss laced with the slow-acting poison. As it takes hold, Mariah dies in the arms of her Boy Scout and final visitor, Luke Cage, and is then cremated at the instruction of her daughter. In her will, Mariah leaves Harlem's paradise to Luke Cage. As he takes on the mantle of the new Sheriff of Harlem from the roost of the club, Misty Knight looks on, worried that Luke will follow in the gangland footsteps
0: of Mariah Stokes. Excellent synopsis, John. Run a really good episode. a really like a proper ending episode for this season. This felt kind of epic. It felt like the kind of final scenes of The Godfather spread over this hour and nine minutes. It's the longest episode of the season. Really to feel like it's coming down to this moment of Luke Cage is now The Godfather.
2: Very much so. We get to this point a... a A Luke Cage that I did not think we would ever get. Absolutely, it's a choice.
1: It's that's probably
2: that's probably the best way I can put it, which is it's a choice right now in that I don't know if it will work. I don't know whether it will alienate people. In Coker, we trust because Mm -hmm. he has given us two fantastic seasons so far. So you haven't steered us wrong so far. You've done pretty good. Each season is getting better. So. This is where you want to take it. Okay, let's do it. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, let's get on to our bullet points for this episode. We'll get into our final wrap-up at the end of our episode. Uh, Bullet point number one, Mariah is the new black. Look at you riffing off another Netflix show. I thought it was there for the take and I couldn't, couldn't refuse it. (laughs) Yes, but we see Mariah in court explaining that her family built the wall around Harlem and using this as a way that she thinks she's going to get off on this case. There's some really interesting stuff in this tiny little courtroom scene. We see Ben Donovan trying to use some tactics against the judge where he's kind of saying you know this is an upstanding member of the community remember she's also a member of your society from college as if that's going to get him off i thought that was really <laughs> ballsy of him <laughs> in the middle of an open course to actually play on this privilege angle for mariah um but it doesn't work she does get sent off to prison not before she uses a really interesting global warming metaphor for how she's been protecting harlem once again this Cool way that Mariah has of not actually admitting to being a criminal, but saying she is she 's saying that the Stokes family have always protected this city without me, the walls are going to fall down, and so is Harlem, but she 's not actually saying it she 's not saying that she 's the one in charge of all the criminal gangs,
1: yeah, and the great thing just after the the courtroom scene is just pure utter uh chaos and violence on the streets of Harlem as well. So mm-hmm. really, really interesting uh, that actually things have gotten worse now that Stokes is in court and at Rikers. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: No, I, I love this, inter- the, the the cuts between as she's saying all this, we see bodies spewed. we see Misty oh, another gunshot v- victim. Mm-hmm. Not that she would go uh, another one, but you, you get my meaning. The pain is on her face. Um, very much, I, I, I loved this scene. I did not expect them to put her in Rikers. Mm-hmm. I expected her to get on bail of some kind. So when they go, nope, you're remanded, go get your ass in there. I'm like, ooh, okay, this is going to get interesting. And that's exactly what happens because we get a Styler attack the second she's. Kind of in there. Yeah, it's
0: like, and they take out a a guard immediately, uh, stabbing them with a shiv and and taking them down to the ground. Uh, Interestingly, it's not only the stylers, they actually say, one of them says, Carbone says hello just before she's about to stab Mariah. So it's actually a styler and an Italian from the Italian gang who have been paid, obviously, to kill Mariah as she arrives. The attack is stopped by Sunflower and another faction within the prison. Uh, Find out that Sunflower is actually one of Mama Mabel's former prostitutes uh, who was sent to prison after uh, a raid and has been left out in the cold by Mama Mabel. And that's why she's going to go after uh, Mariah and make her pay for the sins of her family, just like Tilda's had all throughout the season and just like Mariah's had throughout the season. So it looks like it's going to go bad, but hey. This is Mariah. don't ever count her age that did look like a pretty scary moment for her, but uh, yeah, Mariah just lets another throat and uh, sets herself up to be the king, the kingpin of crime within the female side of Rikers.
2: I love this. I thought aside from the 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 ending that we got, I did expect this orange is the new black like <laughs> storyline in the next season. I was like, oh cool, so she's going to be in Rikers running Harlem from inside Rikers. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to be, that'd be really cool. It's gonna, oh, no, okay. She just killed that person. Oh, there's, sh- okay, no, fine. And then the ending, we'll get to the ending later. But, Absolutely. wow. Seeing Mariah not only take an approach where she's reaching out to the likes of uh Shades, she's reaching out to everyone, and then all of a sudden goes, actually kill everyone else. Mm-hmm. And she put, like, that was brilliant, because... Essentially, what we do get is she's cleaning house. Absolutely. Anyone who's ever worked for her uh, is in danger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it? Ben Donovan is now her right-hand man. He's the connection that she has to the outside world. He walks in there, and it's like as if he sets up his office in the anteroom um, so that he's there at all time at her beck and call. And her call is, yeah, Shades is untouchable. He's already given all the information that he can, can give, so there's nothing else that he can do to her. But... Everybody else could turn and that could give more information and make the case worse. So she comes up with this concept with the help of Van Donovan that Shades is the one to blame, that she can actually say, well, you know, I was an upstanding member of the community and then he used sex and used his abilities to turn me into an evil person. So I'm the victim here. Blame Shades. That's going to be her concept. And in order to support that concept, she's going to kill everybody else in the city who isn't protected by attorney client privilege, who isn't protected by blood. And then she also spares the only the person that turned on her, which was Sugar, because <laughs> mm. his wife gave her clothes when she needed them. What a great moment.
2: Which moment was that, by the way? Was that season one?
0: No, it was this season. It's-
2: it
1: was just after the brownstone had been... Uh, burnt down and they were on the run from
0: Bushmaster mm-hmm. um,
1: cool.
2: yeah. yes 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 okay now I remember and okay. interestingly
0: she completely slagged off the choice of clothes that his wife gave <laughs> she was like these rags that I'm wearing but still allowed her to spare Sugar's life
2: Okay, so kindness does help when you're dealing with uh, psychotic uh, crime lords yes Good to know. especially Good if to you're know. going to
0: become a snitch or turn on your crime boss make sure you give them clothes and be kind to them and then they'll spare your life yeah. Someone who wasn't spared, unfortunately, is Alex, her PA. Sad, sad death for Alex uh, as he tries to plead with Tilda to to hide him out in her shop. Um, we thought he was just going to go off and be a minion to another crime boss in the city, but we find out that he has just been manipulated by Mariah. He did want to get away in the past, but never had the ability because Mariah always has the way of pulling him back in and making him think that she was going to last forever in Harlem.
1: Yeah, it, I, I thought this was really sad. I, sad because of the character I, I had kind of really high hopes that he would be developed further in in this season and i i guess uh the writers just didn't really particularly have any plans uh around him other than uh for certain plot points uh, mm-hmm. and moving some arcs forward uh, and and that's just purely because i think at the end of season one he, he really kind of uh latched on to what he was doing for mariah and we have mariah in this season saying you know alex is loyal mm-hmm. uh, you get a genuine sense that she is fond of him and so it is a massive shock i i, I was really uh, upset that alex got the the old one-two from uh mariah uh, and it's a shame to see him go i i think it would have been really nice to have seen his character develop a bit more over this season but i mean that's just how it falls in, in that sense it just shows again though the ruthlessness of mariah you mm-hmm. know from slitting the throat of sunflower um to then yeah taking this massively uh extreme gamble and risk to be honest to kill all the former employers and associates and acquaintances uh, that were around Harlem's paradise uh, that could potentially uh, give her up uh, was massive. And again, yeah, I loved Ben Donovan in this uh, episode. I I thought he really came out as this loyal attorney for her, um, mm-hmm. but just how he, he played it, you know, loyal to the end, which I suppose a lawyer has to be even in, uh, administering, you know, the
0: final will. Yeah. Yeah lawyer to the end i think we've we had previously thought was ben donovan but uh yes he is quite loyal in here he does carry out her wishes pretty well but i'm sure that's because there's quite a big paycheck in it for him uh we mentioned sugar is the one that's kept alive let's go on to bullet point number two because sugar is working with luke as he is trying to repair the wall I was trying to make a little game of thrones analogy there with luke repairing the wall but uh i couldn't think of one
2: sorry it's okay we'll let you off with this one Yeah, I really enjoyed this. This, especially that scene where we see like Luke protecting the mother and daughter from the shootout on the street. Mm. And we see like the. I still find it funny every time the Korean got I believe it was a Korean, was shooting him and he just continued to shoot him. And that look of panic is like, oh God, yeah. he's bulletproof. <laughs> and it's just like, at some point you're going to learn. I know. We even get that called out later on as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't believe the myth. They all try and see if the myth is true. <laughs> this is his moment with Carbone later on.
2: This was interesting. Obviously, you see like, DW packing up pops because it's like it's getting too hot here Yeah, it's like this is not a place we can stay
0: and one of my favourite bits of production in this episode I thought DW was smoking a joint or something while he was packing up his stuff (laughs) but it's actually the smoke coming off the bullet riddled holes of the sweatshirt that Luke Cage is wearing as he walks in because he's just literally been shot just outside Pops Barber's smoke coming out of every hole in in the sweatshirt I just thought it was so well done we haven't seen it really at all in any of the seasons as far as I remember I don't remember him having a smoking sweatshirt but really cool. Yeah, no, that was a great bit bit of production here.
1: I mean, ultimately, yeah, Luke the, then tries to go to bring the piece back to Harlem. In this moment, in, in Pop's Barbers, Shades arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, and effectively, this is where he plants a seed in um, in Luke, uh, which is, you know, maybe you should replace Mariah. Maybe you should prevent Carbone and Bushmaster from taking over her mantle in harlem Carboni is making the big play here in harlem but ultimately maybe you should think of taking her her place here really um you know radical uh suggestion from shades to luke and luke is there uh, considering it and we get the you know that first hint that dw is kind of like well, hang on, that you're not going to accept that or you're not going to take that seriously. Yeah. And, of course, that plays out uh, later. But it, this is kind of where that seed comes in um, for Luke to say, well, maybe I do need to step up. And I, I think it's really interesting as well because we, we get to find out that Shades really is absolutely off the table. You know, Luke is really still uh, very suspicious of Shades.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but he's there saying, I'm off the table. I'm a snitch. No one no one wants to work with me everyone wants to probably kill him you know he is off this table he has shot himself uh, in the foot but um with this he goes to um the italian uh, area of of new york he goes to see carbone and and i have to say i don't think i've seen luke cage break as many limbs fingers or wrists ever yeah that moment where he's breaking all five fingers one by one as he's kind of you know laying out his demands Mm -hmm. to to carbone like that's pretty ruthless um you know and again it, it maybe shows a shift in where luke is going in this episode and ultimately uh what it possibly is being teed up for a season three by uh the showrunner here but uh this is uh really really interesting
0: yeah it kind of comes back to something he was saying at the beginning of the season he was having problems with his fight within harlem because he was always taking down the corner boys he was always taking down the drug dealers not the drug producers not the heads of family at this point at the end of the season we have him walking into the headquarters of one of the italian bosses and taking the, taking the fight to them. So it feels like he's just dealing with a very different class of criminal than he's dealt with before. It's not a, it's not a drug dealer. It's not a gun runner. It's the owner of the business. And he has taken the fight directly to them. It's a great moment as, uh, as they go in. That's why he seems much more violent. But he does make the deal. He makes the deal to have a lockbox around Harlem. Similar to what Mariah provided. But it's now going to be provided by Luke.
2: That building was beautiful. Wasn't it gorgeous? Oh, yeah. yeah. Even when he kind of stops and looks at the swimming pool, you're like, okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah."
1: But those swimming pools are really weird. They kind of freak me out slightly that people can be watching you uh, from underwater whilst you're having a swim.
2: (laughs) Good to know I'm never swimming with you again. (laughs) I really enjoyed this conversation between him and Carboni. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're right. I think she's going to become a returning character across this universe. Yes. Definitely. Just from her character origins, I thought, I, I think she'll be like the evil Misty Knight. She'll kind of drop across multiple seasons and multiple shows. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously not evil Misty Knight, but you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> she'll have multiple appearances across the Defender shows. Yes, yes.
2: Yes. That's probably a better way of putting it. Well done. <laughs> yes. Look at you with the words. Hey, that's my dad. I, yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed this. And especially what we get to see is she's not afraid of him. Mm. And she stands up to him.
0: Well, she makes a serious threat. She says, if you kill me, my Russian friends will come in and shoot up playgrounds and schools in Harlem. They'll be willing to do that because they'll lose so much business by me being killed. Like, it's, it's a real threat from her. Yeah. yeah.
1: She, I mean, she's, she's definitely got a neck on her, um, has Carboni. I mean, even though she arrives in court as well, um, that's right. There, so she, she is not afraid of, Um, showing herself you know she doesn't hide out she's
0: proper um scary Mm -hmm.
2: she's the italian mariah well i think that, that to a degree
0: well even bigger what we what we talked about last episode was mariah setting up this alliance of all of the people that were heads of crime families within harlem and we did see that Carbone wasn't really on board with that idea. We saw the reaction from her when Mariah was saying, you need to make a donation to me. Now that Mariah's off the board, she's just going all out to take all of Manhattan if she possibly can. That's what it feels like. It feels yeah. like she'll enable some other people to take territories as long as she gets the lead position. But it does feel like she's even more ambitious than Mariah's plan, where Mariah was willing to leave everybody with their pieces of Harlem and their pieces of the city. It feels like Carbone is willing to take over the whole thing.
2: And then we do get this deal of this lockbox being created around Harlem, and he specifically calls out the street numbers from here to here to here to here. You do not go. Your guys do not go. None of your associates go. I want the playgrounds free and everything.
0: And the park's free, yeah.
2: Yeah, the park's free.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we got this wonderful reference. I love this meta knowledge that everybody in Harlem knows that coffee means sex to Luke. I really do. I just think it's really interesting that they all watch season one of Luke Cage, um, where she offers him some coffee and he goes, I don't like espresso. And she says, maybe it just wasn't made by the right person. <laughs> nice little moment between yeah. the two of them.
2: I'm just wondering, is this just a thing that we don't know? It's just <laughs> if if you invite someone for coffee... Is it sex? Is this a thing now with the kids? It kind of
0: always has been, really. If you if you're wet dating a date and you invited someone home for coffee, it always meant sex, didn't it? But it just no, feels like every cap. time somebody mentions coffee to Luke, it means they're offering him sex or so, offering to have sex with him.
1: Yeah. What does a nice cup of tea mean? <laughs> I think that uh. means asleep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the question I have for you guys is: Does the fact that Luke has set up this lockbox around Harlem? push Carboni into other areas of Hell's Kitchen.
0: I think so. I, I think this is um, a way of setting her up as being a villain in either Punisher or Iron Fist or potentially Daredevil season three. We don't know exactly what that's going to be about because of where Matt Murdock is left at the end of Defenders. Let's just say that for the moment. Um, but we kind of feel like if you put that on a map, you would find what location is covered by what defender where is he pushing her to i don't think he's pushing her into the area of Elle's kitchen where jessica jones is i think it's going to lead to either punisher an area that he lives in or iron fist an area that he lives in yeah yeah definitely most likely to frank castle right castelgiani
2: yeah i I'm, I'm assuming they'll have a, a an italian mafia mm-hmm. after season 1 he has he he's become punisher He's set up and fixed his life Mm -hmm. to the best of his ability, so now very much he is, well, this is going to be the war zone punisher. This is going to be him taking the war to the streets to the the mafia.
0: And I'm pretty sure that a showrunner of a Marvel TV show on Netflix is going to really like the idea of pitting Frank Castle against the Russian mob, which are mentioned by the Carbonis here. Um, I think they would like to see... bit of an Italian gangster to begin with, and then Frank taking down the Russians. What do you think?
2: No, I'm down. I'm I'm down to clown with this one. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: I'd love to see her uh, and her gang sort of move into these different areas. Um, You know, it could make sense for Iron Fist if he is, you know, temporarily taking on the mantle of uh, Daredevil in Mm -hmm. protecting Hell's Kitchen. The Punisher, obviously with Castiglione, he's got that Italian flavor. So... They may already be in his area, ultimately. And that's why her gang is just the first one that he will maybe encounter or look to deal with if we have the Punisher Warzone, um, which has been, you know, uh, hinted at for the Punisher Season 2. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is this looks to be really interesting and, and nicely uh, teeing up her for other little crossovers here.
2: Yeah, yep. So, gentlemen, I think we move on to bullet point number three. Mm-hmm. And we've been dancing around this one for the majority of the season. Tilda Johnson is Nightshade.
0: She is now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, this is the moment. Well, we saw it last episode. That was the moment that she's become Nightshade. But we see that she really bought into Bushmaster and what he was doing we see that she's hiding him out when Misty comes around at Mother's Touch to try and find Bushmaster we see that Tilda's been hiding him out but she does absolutely confirm that she's bought into taking down Mariah because of what the Stokes family did to Bushmaster she specifically talks to Sherman and calls out the fact that she's going to make sure that Mariah pays for what happened to Bushmaster and must admit very cool that they stuck with their guns on what they said about Bushmaster taking the huge dose of super nightshade last episode they stuck with their guns and we have a bushmaster who is almost crippled he can hardly walk and she talks about the fact that his mind is going as well and he needs to completely rest and recuperate and get himself off nightshade by taking small doses of it like the way you get off heroin by taking methadone a, a small doses of it that will help him to recuperate um, but yeah i think that's really interesting
1: yeah i, I must say I, I i love this connection between tilda uh, and bushmaster I, I I think it's really, really good. I'm glad they took her character uh, in this way i'm really glad she's nightshade Um i I think for me, the great thing here is that you know Bushmaster came in so strong, powerful confident uh taking on the Stokes taking over uh harlem you know confronting luke cage you know the heart uh, and soul of harlem you know we have that crescendo moment of bushmaster where he is in the roost of um harlem's paradise and, and i i love the fact that he's just faded over the course of these remaining episodes he you know losing his power from the overuse of nightshades, you know we've seen luke cage being able to deal with him more and more effectively uh, in in the fights that they've had. It's still been a proper fight, but he's the one that's been more likely to come out on top. I think it's a really nice treatment of the big bad guy uh, who was set up in the first half of the season um, and then has gradually waned in influence, except his influence now is on a much more personal level with Tilda in Mm -hmm. terms of how he can achieve his aims with taking out... Uh, Mariah here. Yeah. Uh, And I thought that was, uh, really, really good. And it's summed up by Sherman where, you know, he got to the top of the hill, but he can't enjoy the view anymore. It has absolutely exacted a a toll on him and a price. And he Mm -hmm. has to remove himself from the board. Earlier we have shades having, uh, both Bushmaster and Carboni held up as the two people that would take over the mantle. And he has to, uh remove himself from that that chessboard that is Harlem and I, I think that's a, a really uh, interesting moment and um, but we see him here as, as Sherman you know speaks of him effectively having a Pyrrhic victory over Stokes uh, that he is having to go back to Jamaica yeah. um, which is really good and we have this thing where he's got to go back to the area where the nightshade grows, as you say, so he can kind of wean himself off it. Mm-hmm. And the the great thing here is that Tilda says to go to, to Nine Mile to heal, uh, which is also um, the birthplace of Bob
0: Marley. Yeah, yeah, really good reference here as he's going into the car. You have uh, the wonderful Redemption song by Bob Marley playing, one of my favourite Bob Marley songs, to be honest. Um, but you have that playing, and I love that that's playing because effectively this is Bushmaster has been redeemed. He is now, he has accomplished his goal, Mariah's off the top of the hill unfortunately he can't take his place up there but just having that dual reference, it's a nice little touch and only something that Chiara Darikoko would go for, the fact that he's going off to Nine Mile which is the birthplace of Bob Marley, they play a Bob Marley song which is redemption song and it's the redemption of Bushmaster, nice little touches there
2: I'm I'm glad they didn't kill him
0: mm-hmm. yeah me too,
2: and I think, I think that's something I'm really happy with, we've seen a lot of our Villains be killed, killed, yeah, yeah, taken completely taken off the board <laughs> the fact that we still have a complex character like Bushmaster mm-hmm. alive the ability to call him in in future seasons into different shows, this is a good thing, like if we are to get if we are ever to get a defender season two, for mm-hmm. example, right, you can see them. They need a proxy Luke Cage, they get the Bushmaster. Yeah, yeah. They need a proxy, uh, Iron Fist, they'll get Davos. Mm-hmm. They need a proxy Daredevil, uh, Nobu.
0: No, he's a little headless, unfortunately, to be brought back. Um, We have had him quite a few times. Um, I also feel the way they've treated Bushmaster throughout the season, you could have him come back and team up with Luke Cage against somebody else as well. Um, They've really treated him well. His only mission was to take down Mariah and the Stokes for what they did to him. That mission's been accomplished. He's not a bad guy. We've had those conversations where he could have been a brother to Luke Cage if circumstances were slightly different so i think they could be setting that idea up that in future he could come back on to help luke cage out in future and something that he's doing because he has a lot of respect for luke for everything that he's done so and um, so i like that as well they've given him enough of a rounded character that he doesn't have to be part of the sinister six versus the defenders kind of idea that he could also come back as a team up
2: that's very true but i kind of want to jump onto the next part of this kind of tilde mm-hmm. uh bullet point because Damn. Yeah. Nightshade by heart, nightshade by name. Like, just really dark. Matricide is 100% alive and well in the MCU, not Netflix universe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Sealed with a kiss. Absolutely. With this potion uh, to Mariah's lips um, called Bessa de la Rancha or
0: Kiss of the Spider. Yes, Spider's Kiss. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure whether this is... As much of a surprise, I don't know, because I think they did set it up in this episode. As I mentioned, that moment when Tilda vows that she will make Mariah pay for everything that she's done to Bushmaster is earlier on in the episode. And then you see her mixing up this potion. You see her sitting opposite Mariah with, you know, lipstick on, which you haven't really seen. It's quite specific that the lipstick is there. It's 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 right in your face it weirdly it reminded me of the first episode of uh, of agent carter john if you remember our coverage back on agent carter where we have agent carter using lipstick that knocks out someone with a kiss um i just had that little flashback to in the marvel universe there are these lipsticks that can knock people out and do things to them so um i think it's quite interesting that she creates this potion herself to take out her mother uh, also quite cool idea that it's a very slow acting poison because one of the complaints of this type of thing in low of movies and films that you've seen in the past is, well, wouldn't it kill them if it's sitting on their lips? Well, maybe she's created a potion that has to be on someone's lips for four or five hours, and she has the ability to have it on her lips, go home, take it off, and she's not affected by it.
1: Look, this is a massive moment um, mm-hmm. with her sealing the fate of her mother um, and killing Mariah uh, with this kiss. Um, I mean, I've got to say, I really like this episode. Um But I had to really watch it on second viewing because the first time I saw this, I was just shocked. I I really didn't want Mariah to be taken Mm -hmm. uh, off the board. And it was that moment as she's mixing up that potion. I'm going, okay, they're going to kill Mariah. They do the kiss thing. I mean, it is massively signposted in that sense. And then I was thinking, is it going to be there in front of her? And it wasn't. So I was kind of hoping that Mariah wasn't going to die and then, obviously, we get that moment in front of Luke, where all of a sudden she is spitting blood mm-hmm. um and she she falls down dead and I have to say, it was probably the shock of it. I think they also just killed Alex, so I was like going, "Oh no, this is another one of my favorite characters um that has been taken off the board." It's kind of why I said at the start why I really does hope that she haunts Luke Cage from that roost, uh, and does, <laughs> uh, Mama Mabel, because then we will get Alfrey Woodard, uh, back for season three, uh, with some nice cameos because she is a wonderful actress. She is a fantastic character here, um, and will absolutely be missed. I love the relationship though. Like on the second viewing, just that moment where she's dying and Luke Cage is holding her and she, she knows that, you know, he isn't going to be able to walk away from her. Like he has just said to her because he's got to stay until she effectively leaves him. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really good. Uh, and just her last words that, you know, I've still not finished with you, uh, as well. Just really fantastic. Um, I think for me, um, and obviously what she notices about Tilda, that she has lied uh, to her all the way through um, their conversation uh, because she said mother, not mommy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really, really good. And that she also just has that nice vindictive streak where she gets Ben Donovan in so that she can alter the will, uh, I, you know, that really speaks of, of this character. So, I mean, yeah, it's not the choice I would have gone with probably um, to kill her off. I would love to have seen even more of her for season three, but hopefully we'll just get that in spectral form. Uh, but what a big, bold move to, to do ultimately. So, you know, fur juice uh, to that as well.
2: I, as I kind of have alluded to, I was shocked that they were, they do it this way that the, the, they sign po- post that much, I suppose. Sometimes, like after the the previous episode twelve, you're kind of like, if you were binging it, you would probably need some of the sign because you're like, I've just done like nearly two and a half hours straight. Give it to me easy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm shocked that they would take away take the character off the board. Mm. That being said, I do believe some form of hallucinatory. Mariah will be back. Uh, she said that spectral form where she comes back and she's haunting, quote unquote, Luke uh, because he was pretty dark as he sits over her uh, and watches her die. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's a, it's another the changing of Luke for the worst. Yeah, it was interesting, but then we, what we do get is. As you said, she got Ben Donovan to change the will. Mm -hmm. Before that, we see Tilda does want Mariah cremated Mm -hmm. so that basically in accordance with what Bushmaster John had asked, he wanted to see her burn. She's going to get that carried out.
0: Isn't that the final insult that Tilda could just throw in the face of her mother? You know, this is a woman that thought of herself as the Queen of Harlem. She must have expected like a funeral where she's lying in state and every member of Harlem is coming to pay their respects to her body in an open coffin. That must have been the way she thought she was going to go out. Even hear it from the person who's worked with the Stokes family for years. The funeral director, you even hear from him. Is this the standard funeral coffin that you're that we're going to be providing for? We've got these great options for you and you just see Tilda go and burn her. Wanted to be cremated and I don't care what happens to the ashes. It's a real moment of, and screw you too, mom. You're getting nothing that you wanted. You're not going out any way that you wanted.
1: Yeah. I mean, because we even get that moment from Sugar where he goes, I know the lady was evil, but she protected Harlem, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he gives the story about how the Stokes family, you know, after a promising football career, uh, really looked after him and so on. Uh, you know, again, it's, um, the means to justify the ends, and and how you fall down on that, really. Yeah, yeah. And for the Stokes, the means to justify the ends of a safe Harlem were absolutely valid. Um, and for them, they didn't feel that they were doing anything wrong mm-hmm. in effectively running Harlem almost like a a small country uh, of its own and being their protector and defense like and or king and queen. You know the the
0: these aspects. So uh, really interesting. Yeah. Um, because it feels like Tilda's effectively saying. She's not going to be buried in the family plot beside Cornell and beside Mama Mabel and beside Pistol Pete. She's just going to get a pauper's grave, which is all she deserves in, in Tilda's head. It's really like a gut punch, if there was still one, to the spectral form of Mariah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting whether she would be able to do that, depending on what the will says, is another matter.
0: Brand new handwritten will that didn't have any reference to her funeral arrangements in it.
2: no
1: so. that's true that's true um but I, again as well i think i like the moment um both when mariah's slowly dying from the poison and as well um before that with with luke and then through the will and um, just how she recognizes that luke will protect harlem loves harlem as much as she does mm. in a different way you know and with different means,
0: but that might become a little more blurry uh, moving forward. Yes, it might, because, again, this also feels like a little bit of a punch in the gut to Luke that he doesn't know is coming. A very slow punch in the gut, we'll say. Uh, the will is read from Ben Donovan, where we find out that Mariah has actually removed her daughter from most of the will. All she's gotten is Cornell's organ, so she can go off and play music as a pauper if she wishes to. Um, her money is going to the family first organization to turn it into a family first foundation and create a legacy for mariah and everything else oh the whole title deeds and everything connected to Harlan's paradise is going to luke and as mariah says in confidence to ben donovan which he doesn't share with luke this is to take luke down because it will affect him it will change him she believes he can't control Harlan's paradise without it turning luke into the same type of person that she is It's dangling that temptation,
1: isn't it, in Mm -hmm. front uh, of Luke from beyond the grave, which is just so Mariah, like Mm -hmm. really, really cool.
2: It it was dark Mm -hmm. as the explanation is given. You see those two points. When Luke said no, he was not going to take it. I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Like, this is not the desecration of the innocent that we get.
0: <laughs> I had to point out the language that's used in that scene uh, after we just watched it because what Ben Donovan asks Luke is do you want it? Not will you take it? It's do you want it? And Luke says no. Yeah. And then he says it should burn down. Not I'm going to burn it down.
2: Yeah, he, no I agree.
0: He is the owner according to the will. He can do whatever he, whatever he wants to with it, but he's being asked do you want it? He doesn't want it, but he's going to take it and what should be done with it. it should be burnt down, but I'm going to run it. It's, it's a really interesting language used there to kind of say he's an unwilling participant, but he's still going to follow along with, effectively, her plan. So her plan is that Luke's going to take control of this, and he's going to become a crime boss, which is yeah. awful, but a nice touch from Mariah. So Mariah, as you say.
1: But I think if we move to bullet point four on, on effectively, what we're calling King Luke, or mm-hmm. should we say Sheriff Luke, um, here we have Luke effectively um setting up his protection again from the roost uh in Harlem's Paradise where he can see all the dealings that go on this time is like like a hawk I can see what's happening so I can move on them and so on but it is this clouding it is this moment where I think we get the um the fantastic awesomeness of d w questioning what Luke um is to do and i mean handily enough is that effectively dw says you need to get out of pops barbers you cannot become or, or do what you want to do in this way and uh, from pops this okay. is switzerland it is neutral and it should always remain so and i am going to you know use the money i've got from the merchandise uh to 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 lease it and to keep it as a barber's and i i think that's really really nice because we do we you know luke man you've changed and he is changing or he's looking to approach it from a different way and we don't know how that will corrupt him change him or whatever but here the spirit of pops you could argue the spirit of old luke cage and how he was influenced by pops uh, lives on through dw mm-hmm. in what he wants to do with pops and i think that's a, i think that's a really touching uh really good moment uh for this character um, which i really really enjoyed because again i was a little bit freaked out with what they were uh, doing with luke cage here mm-hmm. Um and again it was only with the second viewing and i think with discussion about this idea that There's an element of the Daredevil storyline of Shadowlands Mm -hmm. coming in here about the people you've been after you try and replicate and how that changes you and and affects you ultimately, which is in itself, I think, going to possibly, if that's the way they're going, massively interesting. And so that's why I'm like, okay, I can get that. I can dig that. Uh, I like what stories could come from that for sure it's just really interesting and again i think it's just a really bold choice of the showrunner Chio hadari koko and um, and you know fur jews because um maybe the choices i would have done would have been slightly tropey but um <laughs> there we go um that's why i'm not a showrunner or a writer on one of these shows uh but it's really interesting seeing this change where with luke interestingly as well sugar almost finds himself back where he started Mm -hmm. uh despite leaving the employ of um of mariah after the uh rum punch massacre so again this is this is fascinating stuff i think uh for this series um and it
0: does get my juices flowing for season three Totally agree with you. I love the idea that Chia Coker could be pulling from the Shadowlands storyline, the idea of power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That whole concept of you think you could do better in this position. Well, here you go. You've got it all on the plate. You think I couldn't I don't have to be a villain to run this city. Well, hey, how, how about you have a try? It's really cool. That change in DW is great. DW has been throughout this series, the comic relief. He's always been there in the background, seemingly just trying to make a book. Just to get by at the expense of Luke on a couple of occasions. But we see he's been saving it all up. And his opportunity here comes when he says he's going to buy Pop's Barbershop. Um, The line that he says to Luke, which is, so you think becoming a boss of crime means you're not going to become a crime boss? Well, you're not the man I know. He says to him all of this stuff. And he says to him, you can't talk about business. You can't come back here doing anything else other than getting a haircut. But Luke still walks out and you can still see the pleading in DW thinking that by him saying this to Luke, it actually would change Luke's mind. But Luke still feels if he's put himself in this position, he can lead Harlem to a better tomorrow and is then told, well, then you're Harlem's Trump, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And he calls him Luke Corleone as well. So it's a bit of a, a, a diss coming from DW here, but it's because, you know, he is genuinely surprised, shocked that Luke is moving in this direction Mm -hmm.
2: i am very excited perturbed (laughs) apprehensive i haven't sorted through these emotions yet because setting luke up as the next effectively gang boss Mm -hmm. although he calls himself sheriff it's such an interesting take that exactly as you said like absolute power corrupts absolutely and the next season will either be beautifully amazing or will fall very flat (laughs) it's going to soar so high or it will kind of just stumble
0: you're so negative chris we've got a whole great template in the shadowland books for this concept of luke cage taking over the city of Harlem. So there's there's a great storyline there that they could be doing in season three. So let's let's be positive. This could soar really well.
2: <laughs> exactly. I'm saying this could soar to the levels of Emmys. I'm not taking that away. But what we do see though is Luke starts to alienate. From this point already, alienation of Misty, alienation of Claire. That changes everything.
1: Yeah, and you wonder how will that affect Iron Fist. Because, you know, we had that great episode 10 with the two of them working together, you know, ultimately sent there by Claire to try and bring Luke back from his anger and his aggression that Claire had spotted earlier on in the season. And then, as you say, uh, Chris, Luke absolutely refuses to see Claire. And so will he do the same with Danny Rand? Um, Will he... Will that affect their relationship? Can they uh, be as uh, fun as they were in episode 10? Because Luke ultimately uh, is taking on a different, maybe bigger responsibility here. And I think the great thing about Misty, and it's the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope with Luke as well, is she says do not think that I won't hesitate to take you down if you do anything, you know, foolish. Uh, Really good. And Luke at least does go, I'm counting on it. So maybe he knows the dangers of his route through that one interaction with Misty. Mm -hmm. But Fergus Misty... She should have just punched him in the gut as well with her uh, bionic arm as well, I think, just to
0: like really hammer it home. <laughs> She'd never do that. I know never she do that. Wouldn't. She does say that she trusts him implicitly, but he's just not the right man for this kind of role. Um, but one of the f- central things that we've seen about the character of Luke Cage is that he does go with his gut a lot and he does believe he's right a lot. And it does take a lot of the people around him to kind of help guide him. And yes, as you say, He has pushed everybody away from DW. He's lost Pops. He's lost Misty. He's pushed away Claire. You know, so there's not going to be a huge amount of support other than Sugar, who unfortunately has worked for two different crime bosses in this city. So the advice that he's going to be giving him is probably not going to be the greatest thing to follow. We also see a huge moment. We have Luke in Harlan's Paradise with Rakeem, who used to be a member of and Rakeem on stage singing his tribute to Luke Cage, very similar to moments that we've seen with Cottonmouth standing there with a song about him and his power, with Mariah standing in that exact same position with a song on stage about her and her power. Um, but we see a real theme tune to Luke Cage as he's being bolstered by everything that's going on and the power that comes with this position in Harlem's Paradise. Really nice touches there.
2: A fear I have, uh, which probably that they would have used but unfortunately now cannot is the use of uh james lucas mm-hmm. like they would have used him in season three to help bring back um luke from temptation they I, I could see that you could see that there would be a biblical piece uh to the discussion where they would have used that relationship which is now mended Unfortunately, and it was horrible to see the last panel of the the this the episode was the in memory of Reggie. It was beautiful that they put it there, but yeah. the, the, he Definitely, has yeah. passed away so I'm wondering if that will affect some of the plans
0: I think having the show close out with his with his speech to Luke. Uh, from earlier on in the season, I think actually worked really, really well. I don't think you could have done anything better to close out this show where you've put Luke on a path that could be to dark power, that could be to darkness, underlining it with a conversation he had with his father earlier on in the season where he's given him that advice of how to avoid that dark path, regardless of... Whether Reggie Cathay had passed away during the filming or not, I think that was a lovely way to close out the season. But yes, seeing that final photograph of of uh, of Reggie Caffey and, and the R.I.P. to him is a lovely tribute.
2: Yeah, no, I and mean, I just I, I wonder if they would have used him in season three. Claire brings together him, Misty, Danny. Like you get this intervention almost moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering with that the, the final speech from. James Lucas, you know, his father, as you say, hints at, you know, you have to be mindful, careful of letting this power corrupt you and you, you moving down a, a dark path, Luke. Uh, but what I think one of the things here as well is maybe it's Bushmaster who can come back and say, what are you doing? This isn't you. Or is it more that maybe the, Defenders Season 2, all the other Defenders have to come back, team up uh, to take down Luke Cage Mm -hmm. as he gets more power crazed. because, uh, you know, Shadowlands has other heroes coming in to try and persuade Daredevil uh to change his, his his method, you know, effectively. Yeah. So you never know. Um, this could this could turn out really interesting. I think there's loads of different ways that this could go.
2: So, gentlemen, I think that's all we have on King Luke. So let's bring it into our final bullet point for this season. Mm-hmm. Misty gets her shades.
0: Yeah, I think this is just quite interesting to highlight that Shades doesn't get away with anything here. Um, the fact that. Mariah has been killed by Tilda it means that his opportunity to get away with all the crimes that he had admitted to and laughed about in front of Misty is pulled out from underneath him. Um, and boy, does Misty love this moment. Uh, we also see Bailey in the background when they're going in for the arrest and Misty is kind of reading the rights to, to Shades, we see Bailey in the background just smiling away, happy as Larry at this idea that you're able to take down Shades as well as taking down Mariah. That is that is the best moment that can possibly happen to the Harlem PD is getting their two biggest bad guys and taking them both down within a couple of days, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Um Really, really good. You know, we have Shades in the diner with, uh, the witch is dead newspaper headline. So good as he's learning, uh, of Mariah's death. Um, and his, you know, his breakfast or his, his dinner is, is rudely interrupted by Misty and, you know, that confident swagger that we saw in Shades. Yes, he noses off, um, off the table in terms of being able to be a, a kingpin in Harlem, but that swagger that he had when he was, sort of spilling the beans as to what happened you know when he was laughing in that interview with with misty to this moment where he's like going you still can't touch me and um, and i love how misty breaks it to him with um well you alienated your legal counsel before she got to the fine print and mm-hmm. um, and ultimately um yeah without a conviction that was the condition of the proffer uh, and as such mariah is dead there is no conviction it doesn't stand and all his crimes are now able to be prosecuted with the full force of the law. I think it's also really nice for, for Misty that there is that closure for her on Candace, who she so desperately tried to protect. So, Absolutely. uh, really, really good here. And also I think, you know, Misty has been such a great character in this season of Luke Cage, really integral, uh, to Luke Cage, um, in terms of his investigations combating Bushmaster in, in the fight. She's got a bionic arm. Uh, that it's, it's nice that she has this moment, I think, um, where yeah, yeah. she can
0: get her man. Yeah, this season really felt like a bit of a, a two-hander between Luke and Misty Knight. They felt like both of them had a lot going on within this season. Their, their storylines interacted a huge amount, but it wasn't just dependent on Luke's storyline. He was sometimes her sidekick throughout the season, which is really, really good.
2: 100%, 100%. I can't say much more outside of what you guys have already kind of talked about. What I did really enjoy was shades still smiling as he was let out as Mm -hmm. it all kind of, he noticed what was happening.
0: Yeah. I think that's the real ironic smile, isn't it? Because this means he's going away for a long, long time. His confession with the laughter shows zero remorse for all of the crimes he committed. He was so cocky and so confident sharing all of the people that he was involved in killing over the years. And now, because that's not something going to be used against Mariah and going to be used against him, it absolutely shows the real side of Shades to any court and any jury. He is going away for a long, long time.
2: I'm hoping he doesn't. I like the character of Shades. Oh, we love the character uh, of Shades. We, we, all, we all love the character of yeah, I'm yeah. like. I'm, I'm hoping he comes back for season three.
0: I'd like to see him as a prison right-hand man to Kingpin. We liked the idea of having Mariah Dillard on screen with Kingpin uh, when we talked about it last episode. Hey, if we can't get that, maybe we can get Shades and Kingpin on screen together.
2: Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, mm. that would be really good. So, gentlemen, I think that's about all of our bullet points for this episode and this season. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. before we move into our final defense of season two of Luke Cage, does anyone have any notes? Yeah,
0: a couple of little notes here, um, about the episode. I really liked seeing the fact that we had the new District Attorney, Blake Tower, back uh, from his appearances in Daredevil Season 2. If you remember, he was working with the former DA, uh, who was trying to take down the Punisher. He's now taken on the job of DA. Um, It's kind of cool because he is a comic book character. Blake Tower does have some major moments in the comic books, as we talked about during Daredevil Season 2. But I love when they bring in a character just for two or three moments to show how connected these universes are. And they've done such a good job throughout Luke Cage Season 2 of connecting everything that's gone before really uh, just having references to other characters and other things that have gone on within hell's kitchen much more than they did within the punisher much more than they did within uh, jessica jones season two as well so uh, hopefully this is a vision of the future of these marvel netflix shows being able to use those characters they're all filming in the same area at the same time do what the cw does except on a higher budget and with better writing make these characters cross over a bit more, make them go onto the sets of each other's shows a bit more just to show the size of the city.
2: I think that's, I think we, we will start to get that now because as you can see from this season in particular, the ending of this season, I should say of this season in particular, we're losing characters left, right and center. So the crossovers will happen. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're pretty much all sure or well, We're aligned between our thinking that Carbone will be in following shows. Yes. Because you don't cast a fantastic actress or actor uh, for these roles and then not use them again for years.
0: Exactly. exactly.
1: Yet we have that nice little moment where, you know, Luke Cage puts his stamp on the picture that now hangs on the wall in The Roost uh, and we see... Biggie Smalls being replaced by Muhammad Ali, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really nice. Um,
0: Much more inspirational character for me.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what I would have thought. You know, someone who really inspired, I think, whole communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, So really interesting choice. And again, maybe another little bit of a hope that Luke does realize the position he's in does realize um the temptation and the challenge that has been laid down by mariah
0: stokes from beyond the grave absolutely and importantly another boxer just like luke so of course that would be a very inspirational character for him and just a final note have to say my favorite soundtrack to to a fight sequence throughout this season as luke is snapping arms and legs and uh fingers in the Carboni residence listening to Payback by uh, James Brown. It just felt so perfectly in there for this episode. Really cool. That's it for our notes on this episode. I think it's time to get to our defends. First up, Chris, do you defend Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 13? They reminisce over you.
2: Oh, yeah. I I do for what? For its potential. They tied everything up neatly. There was no loose ends I could see from the season, so I wasn't unhappy with the way it transpired mm-hmm. it's probably the best way i can put it i don't know i still need to sort through a lot of my emotions for this season for this season as mm-hmm. a whole as like when you take a full view of us i can tell you right now though it is better than season one mm-hmm. it's up there in the top three probably top two seasons of the netflix shows for me um it really is we got a lot of depth, we got a lot of intrigue, we got a lot of great characters. Just the ending threw me off. And I don't know, and I like, we talked about it, it's the Shadowland possibility is amazing. Like, the, the the possibilities this opens up for not just for Luke Cage season three, but for Daredevil, for Punisher, for, can you imagine Punisher versus Luke Cage? Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing.
0: He'd certainly need to find some other weapons than guns, wouldn't
2: he? Well, no, no, no. We Well, actually, yes, yes, yes. Just lots of big shotguns. <laughs> Just constantly, like, giving internal bleeding. It, this, this could be what you get, which is the Defenders Season 2 is everyone teaming up to go after Luke Cage. The possibilities are amazing. Exactly. But with that, we lose some fantastic characters. Mm-hmm. They have, to a degree swept the slate clean very much so they cleaned house in this episode and i was like oh that was a lot of people dying a lot of things dying very quickly for me to comprehend the pure actions and the fallout from it so yes i defend this episode but ask me again in like two minutes i probably won't ask me again in four minutes i probably will i'm still sorting through a lot of these emotions I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely all right. It was a huge episode of the show, a huge episode of things going on uh, overall. John, let's see what you think about the episode. Do you defend Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 13, The Reminisce Over You? Yes, I do
1: defend this episode of Luke Cage. It took me two viewings, I have to say, and I think a bit like Chris, I am going through grief at the moment, and I have to uh, just sort my thoughts out about um, the implications of... this episode, but I give it four and a half death kisses out of five. I mean, simply the boldness of taking out Mariah Stokes, making Luke Cage the king of Harlem or the sheriff of Harlem. with that enticement that he may actually get corrupted by this power, uh, that the Stokes family has had. But I think, you know, great turns from, from DW in calling out Luke on, on that. And the same with Misty, that she will be keeping a watchful eye on how he behaves up in that roost of Harlem's Paradise. So for me, this is really exciting, to be honest. Um, It's an exciting prospect for season three. Um, But certainly I am sad that Mariah Stokes will not be um, the present in Harlem anymore. And the same with Alex as well. I, I really like these two. I was uh, looking forward to how their relationship would uh, continue, but now no more. The main thing is I think I could see a bit of Mabel uh, Mariah coming in to... Um, taunt luke cage in the (laughs) same way that uh mariah was taunted this season by pete and mama mabel so this is really good i I like bushmaster i think as a character throughout the season having this big bad um effectively fade as you move towards the end of the the series and seeing you know, his state here in episode 13, Were I don't think I can put it any better than Sherman, is that he can no longer enjoy the view mm-hmm. uh, and he has to go back to, to Jamaica. It's great that, he, that they kept him alive. And it's great then that we see Tilda turn up at Luke's Harlem's Paradise, looking like the comic book character of Nightshade, yeah. especially with that hairdo. Um, so really really good um and so yes i do defend this episode of of luke cage the final episode in
0: season two derek do you defend this episode of luke cage i'm glad we've all defended it so far uh, because to be honest i think this is probably the best finale we've had (laughs) um Really, this season has been fantastic. This is the new high bar for me for Netflix shows. Um, I think every show needs to be like this. There's been no real weak moments. There's been no real weak episodes throughout this season. And one of the tiny things that has been a little bit of a struggle for these shows is since this show is named after the character Luke Cage, how do you make the show about Luke Cage and not about his villains? They did a great job here. They took... Bushmaster off the table in episode 12 he only gets a cameo really in this episode so this episode felt like a two-hander between Luke and Mariah it It's important what happens to Luke. It's important that something has happened to him, that there's been movement with him throughout this series. He started off the series complaining about the fact that he was just dealing with the corner boys, just dealing with the local drug dealers. By the end of the season, he's now in control of one of the biggest positions within the Harlem area and has fenced it off from all the other areas of the city by his negotiations, really, with the Carbones. That's a huge moment. It felt like the end of Godfather, that last 15 minutes of Godfather when... All of the people that aren't connected to the Corleone family are taken out. They're all just killed left, right and center so that they consolidate their power. That's what it felt like was going on in this episode. It's excellent. Absolutely loved it. This is one of my favorite series of The Defenders shows so far on Netflix. I think Hidari Coker has pulled off what some people thought was impossible. And I do want to say one other thing. I have to call BS on this constant criticism that comes out about the netflix shows this thing that has become the narrative before the shows even air which is why can't they just give us 10 episodes why can't they just give us six episodes when the defenders came out with less than 13 episodes this idea that you want to shorten down a show when you have this much quality and this much characterization this is coming from people who just want it in their heads so they can talk about it. It's not coming from people that are enjoying watching these TV shows. If you want less time with a character on a television show, it means you're not enjoying it. It means the show isn't for you, right? We watch 22 episodes of Gotham every season. It's been four seasons. We've watched 88 episodes of that show, and I still want more. I still want to spend more time with those characters. We've still got 10 more episodes to go in in season five. But if you're thinking when you go into a show, oh, I wish this was shorter, well, Probably the show isn't for you, right? You want to spend time with these characters. You want to make sure the quality TV show continues for as long as it stays quality. So I'm really happy that they continue making these shows, 13 episodes. I'm very, very happy with what we got in this season of Lit Cage.
1: Excellent. So a defense all around from everyone for episode 13. I I, I think that's good because I think ultimately, yeah, this is a really different form of a final episode for Marvel Netflix. Um, It it feels different. It feels challenging to what the audience feel Luke Cage is, probably some of the characters that the audience feels they still want to see alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this this is really exciting stuff, I think.
2: Guys, as I said to you, this episode is brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium and Wolverine the Long Night. You like podcasts? We know you do. You're listening to us. You like comics? We know you do. Do you know what? Get your ass over to Stitcher Premium and check out Wolverine The Long Night. It's a fully scripted podcast, 10 episodes, with the fantastic Richard Armitage as the titular character himself. It's fantastic, and you know what? The more you listen to it, the more they'll create, and who knows, maybe even get some additional superhero podcasts along the way. But you need to be part of Stitcher Premium to check it out. And do you know what? You can get a month's free Stitcher Premium on us and the beautiful guys over at Stitcher just by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and then entering the code DEFENDERS.
0: Absolutely. It does really support the podcast. So thanks so much to all of you who've signed up so far. That offer is available until September. So this is probably the last time we're going to mention it because we are shutting down the podcast for a couple of weeks uh, in between now and the start of Iron Fist, which starts on the 7th of September. And with that, let us go
1: on and see what feedback we have. Um, Our final feedback of
0: this, our coverage of Luke Cage Season 2. Our first piece of feedback came in by email through... Feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com from Doug Green, who sent it to us on the 28th of June, so just after the show aired, and he said, She went full Cersei Lannister. That was cold. (laughs) I'm guessing that's Tilda's kiss to her mother.
2: That's what we should have put in. If we wanted a Game of Thrones reference, that should have been the one we used. There you go. go. Yes,
0: absolutely cold as anything for sure uh-huh. and i do want to apologize again to some of our fellow defenders who haven't had the opportunity to get their feedback in on time for our final episode we do understand we just have to unfortunately record these a little differently at the end because we're we are all going away on holiday so we're all taking a little bit of a break so uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to send in your thoughts you can go over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash defenders tv podcast we have spoiler posts for each of the 13 episodes of this season of luke cage season 2 uh, Put your thoughts in there and we'll happily discuss them with you after the podcast is finished up. But our first piece of feedback out at Facebook is from Louis Jesus. John, do you want to take that? Yeah, he says, I'm not
1: sure how to feel about the last episode. Didn't fully understand the path that Luke Cage took at the very end or why he had to. With that said, I still very much enjoyed this season. Thank you, Louis, so much for the the feedback here. I think I'm with you. Certainly on my first viewing, um, it really felt slightly strange to see Luke kind of becoming a proto-bad guy in a way, uh, moving away from the spirit of Pops uh, and from the barbershop. But I think ultimately um, it could be a really major move uh, to look at this character in a different way and see um, how you know, he is similar to Mariah Stokes in the sense that he has Harlem's best interests. And now he is doing it in a way that the Stokes have done. Whether he can do that perched on that roost in Harlem's paradise differently to the way Stokes did it, I think that's a really interesting way to see and develop and explore this character. So, um, I agree with you. I think it's uh, a tough one to kind of um, initially digest. Um, So totally with you on that. But yeah, this season,
0: uh, really, really good. Thanks so much for that feedback, Lewis. That's uh, really good. It's interesting to see that you're on the same side with with Chris and, and John after watching the final episode that you can't sort the feelings out because it is quite a significant moment that happens with Luke there. And I think it's a great setup. It's a nice cliffhanger almost for season three without actually being a cliffhanger. If we don't continue with the season three of Luke Cage. It's a nice moment to have him sitting in that perch over Harlem, but it's a great moment to kick off season three. And the next time we see Luke Cage, really cool.
2: Jim Carrey over on Facebook also had this to say, i finished the season, but I can no longer say that Iron Fist Season 1 is the worst of the Marvel Netflix series. Maybe if I got one installment per week, it wouldn't have seemed so dragged out. As it is, because of schedule and interest level, this one took me longer to finish than any Netflix series. As of Episode 7, the main bad guy had the lamest power and origin and accent. I watched with English subtitles to follow along. Also, as of Episode 7, like in many of the other series and Luke Cage Season 1, I think I would have been happy if another baddie had been introduced. Thank you for the feedback, Jim. I don't feel we're in the same boat as you. I think based on what we've kind of said in this episode and previous episodes, we really enjoyed this, but TV shows are like Marmite. You either love them, you hate them, and it's okay to love and hate them equally. We may not agree with you, but hey, you're still a fellow Defender and we love having you and love having your feedback just as much as everyone else's.
0: You're right, Chris. I hate Marmite. I have to admit, I have to admit. I um, love more mice. Lots of keen on that Vegemite stuff then. No, not at all. (laughs) But I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. And that's the pleasure of how these Netflix shows are done. They are intended for different audiences and hopefully get a crossover audience between each of them. You know, we still know that Daredevil is pretty much the highest watched of all of the Netflix shows. And we know that Luke Cage crashed the Internet when it started on its first season, as they reference a couple of times throughout season two of Luke Cage. It crashed the Internet when it opened up its first episode because a show like this hadn't been directed towards the black community on netflix before so by having that then suddenly you create this kind of power within the show so it doesn't mean it's for everybody it means that something new is being produced so absolutely understand that that this one wasn't for you jim hopefully you'll be back in with iron fist season two unfortunately you didn't like season one so maybe you might have to skip that one too and just hang around for uh, for daredevil season three
1: yeah thank you so much for that jim uh on to our next piece of facebook feedback from jamie young
0: Mhm. Jamie says this season was everything I wanted to be and more. Bushmaster was a cotton mouth level character in my mind, and I'm glad he's still alive so he can potentially return at some point. Mariah has surpassed Fisk as my favourite Marvel villain, which is really saying something, as I absolutely adore Fisk. The storytelling here was fantastic and kept me guessing throughout so many powerful character moments. I admit that I didn't like that Luke took over the club at first, I expected him to give it, a, give it to Tilda, but after some reflection and a second watch, it makes sense. It was a surprising tryst. That all hell would break loose with Mariah behind bars. I now think Luke made the right choice, even if he does seem to be playing with fire. I was afraid this season would be Luke versus Diamondback part two, and I'm so glad I was wrong. Loved everything about this season. You know, we could have the shortest podcast in the world if we just recorded that feedback from Jamie. That was exactly how I felt about this season. Every single point that you've made there, Jamie, is right aligned with mine. I love how mariah has surpassed pretty much all of the other villains it does it is a bit of a function of the fact that she's had 26 episodes of the show she was in episode one of season one of luke cage she was in the final episode of this season so she's had the most time to develop on screen and they've given her some amazing things to do and i think she really has surpassed vincent wilson fisk who will be back for daredevil season three so maybe he'll get some more wonderful moments
1: yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that uh, f- uh, feedback, Jamie. Uh, it's really good to hear hear your thoughts. And our final bit of feedback over on our Facebook group comes from uh, Robert Phillips. Such a good episode. He says, the daughter slaying her mother with a kiss. The hero stepping into the dark and suggesting a cozy relationship with Misty, who's always been tied to the spirit and line of the law. Switzerland is reborn. Bushmaster dodges death again, Biggie is replaced by another name-changing black superhero in the club, and Luke pays troubadours to write anthems to glorify himself. Still don't quite know what I think of the ending, Trouble in Paradise is eternal, it feels. Yes, um, I think uh, there is much to be troubled about in Harlem. You know, as we've discussed in the podcast, it it's, makes for really interesting times, and Potentially has, um, to, to bring about the, the fallen hero, at least temporarily, uh, and see how this impacts, uh, Luke Cage. And as we said, similar, uh, and maybe in parallel to some of the themes, concepts, and stories that we see in Daredevil Shadowlands. So yeah, it, it is. It, it's a peculiar ending. I think, um, a lot of the feedback has said, just not quite sure how to take that and i you know i had it as well chris has had it so it's i think it needs time for digestion and to really think about how this might play it really does leap you into the potential of season three i think Mm -hmm. and so in that sense i find it really quite bold and uh Fantastic for them to do this, not
0: to give the cozy conclusion, I suppose, in that sense. Well, it's cool. He wins and he gets his seat on the Iron Throne, uh, basically. I love how medieval you put that, Bob, about the troubadours writing anthems to glorify <laughs> Luke Cage. It does make me think this is a big old Game of Thrones in the middle yeah. of, uh, in the middle of Harlem.
1: The Death Star will start to
0: get built in Earth's
1: <laughs> upper orbit. Nice,
0: nice. Thanks so much for that feedback, Robert. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robert. Hey fellow Defenders, I know we said that was the final piece of feedback, but uh, we've been away on holidays, and while we were away, we got some more feedback in. So we had to put it into the episode, since this is our final episode discussing Luke Cage. Uh, our first piece of feedback is from Ryan on voicemail. He went over to our website, just like you can, at DefendersTVPodcast.com, and just recorded his thoughts about the episode.
3: What's happening, guys? This is Ryan here. A quick little review of episode 10. This episode was amazing, and I really enjoyed it. We've been waiting for this episode ever since this season was announced, and that they confirmed that Danny Rand would be part of this season. Love the banter between them. Love the uh, Mickey taking from uh, Luke towards Danny when he talks about the dragon again. Love the DW getting in there with the merch, of heroes for hire, and Power Man and Iron Fist. And uh, it was just wicked. Really, really well done. The fight scene between them. Was class and the music that they put behind it for me it was just definitely one of the best episodes. Just really what for me is what I tune in to see. I tune in to see these superhero stuff and you know they really delivered. So well done, Netflix Marvels. I take my hats off to you, very well done. So you guys broke the episode down much better than I did or will. So I'll just leave it to that. Just wanted to say for me best episode so far really enjoyed it take care guys bye bye
1: thank you so much Ryan yeah really really good episode um you did a good breakdown of it as well uh yeah Danny Rand um Luke Cage teaming up banter fights the music uh, it really all came together in in episode 10 for sure
0: oh absolutely so good to see those two characters again i'm still kind of hoping that they're going to make an announcement for heroes for hire Uh, actual season coming up on netflix i would really hope to see these two characters together because they worked so well in this episode as we said it, it felt like it wasn't danny rand a brand new danny rand coming into the show it felt like they were actually doing something with the danny rand that we've seen grow throughout his previous two shows and now i'm really excited to see iron fist season two coming up in september as well
1: Yeah, absolutely. We got some more feedback in through our email. If you want to send any feedback, you can send it to feedback at podcast.com And of course, uh, we will read it out uh, for any of Luke Cage Season 2. But of course, more importantly, for any of our coverage of the upcoming MCU, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And of course... I'm Fist Season 2 in September, kicking off on the 7th. Yeah, Mike in Brooklyn goes, great job covering what I consider the best single season of any of the Marvel Netflix shows. Luke Cage Season 2, I just wanted to shout out two small, but for me, indelible scenes that get overlooked. Episode 10, I love the scene between Misty and Deputy Chief Ridley when Ridley promotes her to Commander. The actress who plays Ridley has such great presence, and her recognising Misty's heroism at Midland Circle, despite their past differences, plus the perfectly timed musical interlude as she does it, really gave me the feels. Detective first grade, best I've ever seen. It really makes Misty feel like a true hero in a world full of superheroes. Absolutely, Mike. That's a really good point Mm -hmm. Uh, and such a great moment between these two class actors. Uh, Really, really good scene uh, that you pick out there. Michael also goes on to say another brief scene I love is in the final episode. Luke is taking Danny's advice, trying to gain some perspective by going to the park and looking out at a view of Harlem from above when Sugar joins him. Again, the music in the scene is absolutely perfect, as is the shot of them looking out at a clear yellow sky on a frosty New York morning. We also learn a little more about Sugar, which I love. He instantly goes from an ancillary henchman type to someone I want to see more of in season three. Luke is really grappling here with the idea of power and how best to use it to fulfill his maxim of getting things done. It's a small moment with our hero trying to wrap his head around it all, and it shows his growth from the angry, frustrated man in earlier episodes. That's a really,
0: really good point, Michael. Yeah, I think that moment with Sugar does actually help to to kind of assuage some of the fears that I talked about earlier on in the episode uh, about Sugar being the one that could be the guiding hand for Luke since he's been the one working for two previous mob bosses or crime bosses in Harlem. It does kind of help to know that the reason he went into this was because he was helped out of a bad situation and helped out of uh, the loss of his football career um, by Mariah and by the Stokes. So. It does help that he has got that base and that heart behind him, that, he, that now that he's actually working for somebody that is trying to help Harlem, that he might actually be a better influence than I'd actually said. So really good, really good scene. It is a beautiful shot over New York as well.
1: Yeah. And finally, Mike goes on to say, hope this wasn't too long. I admit I was at best lukewarm about season one of Cage, but have really done 180 thanks to season two. Props to Coker and his team and special props to Alfrey Woodard, who is a total force this season. Mm -hmm. She probably wouldn't be. But she should be nominated for this role, some of the best acting in all of Marvel period, Mike in Brooklyn. Thank you so much, Mike. I absolutely echo uh, your words there about Alfred Woodard um playing Black Mariah. She was in fine fine form um and an actor at the top of their game to be honest oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, it would be so good to see her nominated uh, in this role um come awards season at some point uh, in
0: in the future for sure. Thank you, Mike. And to officially close out our feedback for the second time uh, this episode, uh, we also got a final voicemail from Ryan about uh, about the season.
3: How you doing, guys? Ryan here. Just want to give a quick overall review of uh, the season two of Luke Cage. For me, I liked it. Um, I think I liked the first half of season one better than I did this, but to be fair, the whole of the season for season two was enjoyable. Um, Didn't obviously enjoy the second half of season one of Luke Cage, but I'm not the only one. A lot of people thought that, so there's no surprise there. For me, I like the fact that Misty Knight had a massive part to play in this that Claire is not so big in it. You can see the definite change in Luke, and season three will be interesting to see what kind of path he goes down. Especially now he's got the club and the scene at the end with Misty. Of what? How well done was that? It's amazing with shutting the door and the Godfather uh, link between them. Really good, really well done, guys. And the changing of the picture from Biggie to um, Muhammad Ali, like amazing. So overall. Really, really, really enjoyed this season. I know people say it was a bit of a slow-burner for them, but I don't think it is. We don't get these seasons all the time. We wait over a year between them, so I'll happily have a bit of burning episodes or burning time between episodes, but all in all, well done, Netflix, Marvel. Really enjoyed it. Guys, thanks for all your information, and see you soon on Iron Fist. Take care.
0: Thanks so much, Ryan. I think you're totally on the same page as me. Yeah, I really loved this season. Absolutely enjoyed having the time spent with all of these characters again it's it's always special when you get a show like this that comes along and you get to actually experience it enjoy everything that's going on the twists and turns in the episodes were great having a huge moment like danny and luke meeting up and it being as enjoyable as every one of us wanted it to be having misty being a really central character throughout the show definitely shades and mariah together throughout this season have been fantastic not to mention the introduction of Tilda Johnson, who was great in the show. And also, a much earlier episode that you almost forget about. Colleen Wing with Misty Knight. That moment between the two of them together was fantastic on the screen. I'm so excited to see, again, Iron fist coming up in just over a month's time where we're going to see those characters working together again and see those relationships build. Really, really good.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, Ryan. It's such a good um season this season. And I think it's certainly... For me, stands up to the first half of season one of Luke Cage, where we really got a tour de force from Mushler Ali, uh, as Cottonmouth. And I think we've got it again here with Alfrey Woodard, um, who was phenomenal as, as Black Mariah. and um, some really great characters that are brought absolutely to life. Plus, as you say, with, with Misty, Um, With Danny Rand coming in, uh, such um, a really solid, consistent, well-paced, as far as I can say, uh, from my view, um, season. Um, For me, it really would be up there with uh, Jessica Jones season one. Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan.
0: Absolutely. And thanks once again, Defenders, for sticking around with us for this entire season of Luke Cage. We'll drop you back into the normal show for our regular goodbyes to season two of Luke Cage. Bye. <laughs> thanks so much to everybody for the feedback that they've sent in throughout this season of Luke Cage. Uh, please continue to send in your feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com, or as I mentioned, go over to our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast, and we'll discuss anything with you over there about any of the series so far.
1: Yes, and remember to stay subscribed on your podcast catcher of choice to Defenders TV podcast. Please as well, rate us, leave a review and sharing that love is sharing the podcast uh, as well. Thank you so much for all the feedback as well. Please come on over to the Facebook group uh, to carry on the conversation about Luke Cage or any other Marvel Netflix character as well.
2: Fellow Defenders, we'll be back with our next podcast in early August, as we'll be reviewing the 20th MCU movie, none other than Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's taken a bit of time, but that's because it's still not released in Europe right now due to that damned soccer ball soccer event called the World Cup.
0: Yes, we've been asked about this many times. It's been released on the 3rd of August in Ireland and the UK. So uh, we'll hopefully have our podcast about that just after the, uh, the movie has come out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then we will hopefully be returning to comic books with our new series, Strange Tales on Defenders TV Podcast. Yes, following on from our coverage and dipping our toe into the comic book world with the Doctor Strange Damnation event, with our fellow podcasters over at Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist podcast and ghost rider podcast uh we are going to dip our toes our foot our leg maybe even get in fully into the swimming pool of comic book uh reviews we'll be looking at the new doctor strange series uh, written by mark wade which follows on from the damnation as well as the uh, marvel digital originals that link in with the defenders so that is jessica jones daughters of the dragon and luke cage and of course. um, it wouldn't be amiss to also connect in my two co-hosts' favourite characters as well. uh Nick Fury, who shared with Doctor Strange on Strange Tales. And of course, there is Spider-Man, Chris's favourite web-slinging buddy, uh, who was co-created by uh, Steve Ditko, who also created um Doctor Strange. So... It will be strange, it will be weird, it will be wonderful, uh, and it will be
0: very much comic book-led as well. Absolutely, and the good thing about it is we have obviously done our Summer of Strange and Summer of Spider-Man movie coverage in the past, so we do have a little bit of pedigree on our Strange discussions and our Spider-Man discussions, but we will be bringing Nick Fury into the fray because of his shared history on Strange Tales, and hey, because of my love of him. We won't get a huge amount of comic books done. Between now and the next big series that we're going to be covering, because as we've announced many, many times and mentioned now many, many times on our episodes, our next big series is Iron Fist Season 2, which will be coming out on September 7th of this year, just in a couple of weeks' time, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But we hope you can come join us for Ant Man and the Wasp, Strange Tales, and of course, Season 2 of
0: Iron Fist, all on Defenders TV Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow defenders. We will talk to you really soon.
2: Yes, thank you so much, and yeah, ta until September 7th.
1: Yes, I'm off to put on some big, bright, poisonous lippy, uh, and after that, I will be back with you soon. Bye.
2: I don't know whether it will alienate people, whether, like, in, in Croker we ch- trust, in, at this point, to his, his name's Coker. Coker.
1: <laughs> you look, like, in, the gar head there. In, Croke Park <laughs> in Croker
2: we trust. In Croker
1: we just. I don't think I've seen Luke Cage break as many limbs, fingers, or wrists Ever. I mean, that moment where he's breaking all of the five
0: pinkies, wow. One pinky. Oh no, there's one pinky in there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Absolutely. And the good thing about it is, we have obviously done our Summer of Strange and Summer of Spider Man movie coverage in the past. So we do have a little bit of pedigree on our Strange discussions and our Spider Man discussions. But bring Nuke, Nick, Nuke, Fury. <laughs> but bringing Nuke, I call him Nuke again.
1: I yeah, don't know why. <laughs> you can do this. Come on, Nick.